Welcome back, folks. Today, zooming in from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, our nation's capital, we have a real estate entrepreneur extraordinaire. He's so good at it. He actually coaches other people on how to do this stuff as well. Our guest today is El Señor Luis Rivas. Luis, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Señor Dave. How are you? I am fantastic. All the better to be chatting with you, my friend. And, you. you know, we've got a little bit of a connection because I believe you're originally from Central America. I spent a lot of time down there myself. So why don't you start off telling us a little bit about your backstory, how you got to Canada, what you what you did prior to real estate investing, that side of the things. Sure. I was born in uh, Nicaragua in 1975, and uh, shortly thereafter, uh, a civil war broke out, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And um, in 78, my parents, uh, they fled to Mexico. They fled to Mexico. They had me, and, um, you know, it was because things were starting to get a little bit hairy, and then uh, things calmed down a little bit. We went back to Nicaragua. And uh, my dad had a high-profile job in the government. Mm. And uh, in 1983, things started to flare up again. And so we we immigrated to the States. And uh, <clears throat> my father was working illegally, pumping gas. And uh, it was really tough times in Miami. But uh, I I liked it. I preferred it to living in Nicaragua because I felt safer. So in 1985, we, we immigrated to Canada because of a, an immigration pro, uh, program. And so actually on, on August 15th was our anniversary. So just two days ago, or whenever this airs, um, it, it's kind of like our anniversary of, of coming to Canada. And uh, yeah, so fast forward, I mean, I, I, was, I was prompted by my parents to, you know, go to school, make the best of it. You know, we came here for you, for the opportunity, go to school, get a job, you know, you know, you know, the shtick. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I well, wanted to it, go to university. It, it, but... it had to be it had to be tough, Luis. And I sorry, I'm jumping in here. I'm just really curious about your dad. I mean, mm. going from that kind of a high profile position with all of the status, the financial rewards, all of that stuff that came along with that, to pumping gas at a gas yeah. station in Miami to put food on the table, not just financially, but just mentally, that must have been so tough for him and your mom, right? And then coming to Canada, I'm sure things were not easy, even though there mm -hmm. was the, the path in there. Um, just out of curious curiosity, what did your parents do as you were growing up in Canada? Because the government job for him was probably out of the question. Yeah, he, he yeah, he was a, a de deputy comptroller of Nicaragua when he left. And wow. then he came, he came to he went to the States, he pumped gas. He came here and he he was a lawyer by 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 education, but obviously he he could not, you know, unless he went through the whole process again. And he started trying to like re-educate himself. He tried, you know, chef school. 
he did a lot of odd jobs for airlines. I remember he got laid off a lot of, and, and it was, yeah. it was tough. My mom was a stay at home mom. So only one income and, and we were three boys growing up. It was, we grew up in one of the toughest neighborhoods in Ottawa and, um, and that was tough. Yeah. So when I was telling my story there at the beginning, I glazed over a lot of stuff that I don't often talk about. Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I can tell that there just must've been so much stuff going on. And, and it was, it's interesting, Luis, I was just interviewing a gentleman that, yeah, he immigrated. He was a, an engineer in the Philippines, worked in Saudi Arabia as an engineer, mm. came to Canada, had to work as a construction laborer because they wouldn't recognize his credentials. It's just so common. It, it breaks my heart. There's so many, so much brain power comes to this country from overseas. Only we to don't be rec- we don't recognize it. It's just down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. That's has very little to do with real estate investing, but it gives us a picture of how you grew up. So yeah, no doubt your mom and dad wanted you to go to good school, get good grades, get a good secure job that's that would be that's that's an immigrant parent's dream that or you become a doctor or you become mm-hmm. an accountant or or a lawyer or something like that nice safe and secure right so you don't have to get laid off exactly so what yeah what happened then so i i i managed to get a student uh a student internship in the federal government in the year 2000 and um i don't know if you can remember back then but like the the dot com bubble was starting to like pop a little bit yeah so a lot of like a lot of my a lot of my my student like my my uh, classmates they got jobs at uh, nortel compaq jds those were the big big outfits in in ottawa and i what what were you taking at school at the time Luis? i was taking computer systems okay yeah yeah uh i've i i and i took it i I joined it because i figured you know computers is kind of like the way of the future I got to to college and I didn't even know how to format a floppy disk. <laughs> it was it was that difficult for me. But I said, you know what? This is this is force this myself is to do. We're it. gonna we're gonna give it a <laughs> our go. And you know, I took OHIP and I said, you know what? I'm gonna make the best of this. And um, and then I landed a job. I landed a job in 2000 in the government, and I was kind of like, man, I want to work at Compaq and JDS and Nortel like all my buddies, but making the big bucks but i didn't all i could get was a job in the federal government and then sure enough about a year later they all got laid off and then they were calling me saying can you get me in can you get me in can you get me in for sure and uh and i stuck it out in the federal government for 22 years so holy crap yeah yeah so hey you know what I've worked with several clients who work in the federal government or who have worked in the federal government lots of lots of pros to it. Like it's about as safe and secure as, as a job gets. The benefits are, are outstanding. The, the mm. golden handcuffs are very, very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. However, my understanding is that the work environment is brain numbing. The politics, it's the government, the politics are horrendous. So maybe, you know, without going into too much in depth, what, what did you like and what did you hate about the federal government working there? Well, I met my wife there. 
Better say you love that. I did. It was (laughs) the best thing I ever did in that in that job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we met early on and I always used to say, I'm never going to date anybody at work because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. And sure enough, boom, you, you know, did that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the, the steady paycheck, but, uh, not much more in the yeah. sense of like soulful fulfillment, um, and, and kind of like art, artistic expression like i didn't get yeah. a chance creativity everything yeah. was like you kind of have to toe the company line and uh i always had things on the side i always had side hustles and side projects and like mlms and i was always trying to like have Branch that out. thing and and then and then i could leave and i don't think i was looked upon favorably by my my counterparts because <laughs> i wasn't like towing that company line and being a hundred percent with with the clique, and so I was always kind of dubbed a little bit differently, a little bit like, um, you know, like oh, he's just not a hundred percent in the game with us, you know. Hmm. Yeah. And um, so a little bit of an outsider feeling, an outlier, you know, yeah, an outsider kind of feeling, and uh, and so I I never really felt like I was fulfilled. Got I, it. I was not fulfilled. So at what point did real estate become a thing for you? What was that that sparked that initial curiosity? My wife and I bought a house and uh, it had a basement, a fully like like separate entrance with like um, with like laundry, like a self-contained unit in the basement. And we rented it out. Back then it wasn't called house hacking. Now it's like house hacking. We had a basement apartment and uh and that was kind of like our my first taste of like passive income and it was absolutely intoxicating, you know. That first of the month, that rent day dance. Um <laughs> unless <laughs> unless you know he was late on paying the rent, but it was uh it was my first, you know, taste. And then we we bought two pre-construction condos and we failed miserably. I mean, I shouldn't say we failed miserably, we just didn't we just didn't pop the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I didn't underwrite any numbers. I didn't um I didn't take into account cash flow. I was essentially I wasn't investing, I was speculating. And that's what I right. tell my students. I was speculating. What, the, what the, year the, was that, if you don't mind sharing, Louise? We're 2023 was, uh, right now. So what 20 20 2015? Bought the house? We we, we no 20 2009. 2004 we bought the house okay and then 2013 and 2015 we bought two new condos pre-construction all right so just kind of a pastimey type thing yeah very side type thing very side type thing very passive and then the condos came on board yeah when did you jump in and really get the bug what what because you had those not so great experience with the condos when did you get the real bug that this is what I want to do? 2018. My my mentor, my mentor came knocking, uh, whom you know well. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> There's another Latino in Ottawa. I'm gonna go knock on his door. Yeah. No, so our, our buddy Alfonso. Wow. Alfonso Guara, he he yeah. came knocking on my door figurative, figuratively. Yeah. And uh, I had already known him for, for many, many years. And he said, Come to one of my 
come to one of my boot camps, my real estate boot camps. And I, we had just sold the two condos and I was really like down in the dumps and, and feeling kind of crappy about myself. And my wife said, go, like, what do you have to lose? This is your friend. And, and it changed my life. It completely changed my life. Uh, it was a three-day boot camp. And I remember feeling feelings that I hadn't felt for a long time, you know, hopeful and hopeful. excited for yeah. the future. Yeah. Nice. All right. So fast forward, where has your real estate investing journey taken you? So you had at that point, and what year was that again? Sorry, 2018? 2018. So it was 2018. You've got, you, you still have the house with the, the basement suite in it at that point? Or you? No, we sold nope, so that we, house. We No we revenue properties house. at that point. So that's right. We just had our, our single family home where we still live in right now. And, uh, just a dream, just the drive, just yeah. So just what, what does the portfolio look like these days, Luis? What did you guys end so up? So right now we are at 81 doors. Nice. Uh we sold 29 yesterday at the height of the market. Mm -hmm. And uh later this year we're gonna be pouring the money from the 29 into a, a brand new build. So it's we're gonna hit uh 120 doors uh later this year. So you're focusing partners. on multi with partners, yeah. Are you focusing on multifamily properties? I am. Yeah, I am. What's kind? What kind of size range do you guys work in or or have in the portfolio? Um, twenties and thirties, 20, 30 units. That's the and sweet spot. Anything over 16, 17. That's the sweet spot. Why? Yeah. Why is that the sweet spot in your estimation? Because after 16, 17 units, the the building can sustain having a, a, a full-time superintendent. You know, the, the cash flow and the numbers can can allow uh, a superintendent, like a caretaker, to be on site, okay. taking care of the property and doing kind of like minor property management, uh, uh, you know, minor property management tasks. Got it. All right. Very good. So that's what you're focusing on. You're in and around Ottawa. Are the properties in Ottawa? Are they Are they in Ontario? Are they in Alberta? Are they in the Maritimes? Are they all over the place? Where Where do you guys hold They them? are in, uh, in and around the Ottawa area, not in Ottawa because the cap rates don't make sense here. Mm -hmm. uh, they're in secondary tertiary markets like Thunder Bay, Brockville. And uh, we own a 36 unit, which you're familiar with in Saskatchewan. And I've never, ever, ever set foot on the, on the in the province. <laughs> so not even in the province. But not so even in the province. Nothing against Saskatchewan. I'm actually like eager to visit. Yeah. But I've never, I've never set foot there. And so, so it, you know, it, it expanded my mind and my confidence to invest in things that I don't necessarily touch. Yeah. Or see. So, so let's rewind to 2018. What was your first? revenue property investment after those condos a 21 unit building in brockville ontario very nice now did you go in as an active partner a passive partner uh how did that deal kind of look i i went in as a, a managing partner and i brought capital to the table so we got i guess you could say like a little bit of the double dip mm -hmm. there yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty scary. I remember losing sleep for about a week prior yeah. to the close. 
and uh but then the market just went bonkers yeah and um we haven't looked back yeah no that's wonderful Luis. what year was that that you got that first one was that 2018 2019 uh we did an agreement for sale in 2019 and then we closed in 2020 kind of like when covid was like red hot like yeah. red red hot scary time yeah. <laughs> no, one, no wonder you lost sleep everybody's going what's going on here yeah right <laughs> amazing amazing so <clears throat> Uh, what are the, what are the plans for moving ahead, Luis? What are the goals? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a real estate coach as well. So I have students and we're, I'm, I'm a, I'm a coach with Wealth Genius and I, I, I'm fully committed to this, to this, uh, this crusade, this initiative, and I'm just here to, to help the, the business grow wherever mm -hmm. it goes, you know, wherever it takes us. Yeah. And what about your per, your portfolio yourself? What's your what are your real estate investing goals? Um my real estate investing cuz I also do private lending. Mm -hmm. So, uh you know, my goals are to private lend as much as possible as much as I can and still like not surpass the tax, you know, the implications and just keep adding to to the multifamily portfolio. I'm a I'm a boring investor buy and hold um my idea of a perfect burr is you buy it and you set it and you forget it until it's time to renew and just <laughs> let natural turnover organically that's my perfect burr um i don't uh, i don't really subscribe or have time to do the you know the active you know like crazy renovations and force the appreciation i, I don't have time or energy for that yeah, you're looking looking at things long term. So with the the few years that you've been doing this, Luis, what have you found has worked best for attracting joint venture partners, passive investors, private lenders, capital for for your deals? Well, having really good deals is really key. Obviously, if the deal is sexy, it's going to it's going to sell itself. And I always tell my students, you know, there's two important things. If you like the deal, it's a it's a check. And if you like the person, it's a check. So I always try and I always aim to handle myself with a lot of uh, professionalism and uh, due diligence. I pride myself on like underwriting. But I always try and keep an aura of like fun mm -hmm. and playfulness. and. I find that if you, if, if you, my favorite, my favorite style is, is to sell past the prospect. So if I was trying to land you as a client, maybe I feel like, man, they, they would really, really be good for this project. He would really love it. I would say something like, Dave, could you please help me um, find some potential investors for this deal? Indirect. Uh, and, and I try not to use the word deal. I try to use the word uh, opportunity. I'm offering an opportunity mm -hmm. and I'd like your help to help me find some, some potential uh, investors. Can you help me? And then I present the deal and, um, you know, you kind of take it away a little bit. It's a little bit of reverse psychology. And then oftentimes the prospect will say, well, well what about me? <laughs> oh, Okay, well, why not? Did, did, yeah, exactly. Wasn't thinking that at all, but hey, now that you bring it up. 
yeah yeah and uh that's one style another one is offering equity for for people to help bringing investors mm -hmm. you know share the wealth you know I think a lot of investors are out there trying to keep as much as the, of the equity as, as possible and my, and my mentor is always he's always very good to share and kind of give away some of the deal this will attract so many investors that when they get their capital back they're they're ready for that next deal yeah and so yeah. the best thing to do is to have other deals in the waiting so that you're it's almost like a like hopscotch you know or like a like a what is that a frog game like leapfrog yeah so you're just going oh, from yeah, investment to investment yeah. in an investment yeah. to investment and um and i really like the um overfunding overfunding as a as a tool to to create fomo so i always tell my students overfund and then so what do you, what do you define overfund for us if you would so so let's say you have a raise of uh, half a mil Mm -hmm. And you raise like you raise seven hundred thousand, just in case some of your investors pull out, flake out. Yeah, definitely. They flake yeah. out. Whatever happens, life happens. But it, let's say they don't, and so you're overfunded, and you say to the you know to the two hundred thousand, some of them, you know, you say sorry, like you know, we can't put you in this deal. We're overfunded. I'm really sorry. This creates like an aura of the the FOMO is can be intense, you know. You could risk upsetting them, but I think the right investor is going to say, holy geez, well, if you were funded, like this must be a hot deal. Yeah. And so you say, well, they, they jump on the next one. Let's work the next one. Let's get yeah. you in the next one so that you're, you're like, you're ready. You know, yeah. you're first in line. Smart, smart stuff, Luis. If people want to get more of Luis Rivas, what, where do they go? What should they do? Yeah, you can uh, find me at uh, cashflow.rivas at uh, gmail.com is my email. And that's also my handle on uh, on YouTube, cashflow.rivas. And uh, my channel is uh, Rivas Real Estate Investments. Awesome. Well, Luis, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing your, your experience, your journey. Very inspirational. Um, yeah, got to appreciate our parents for what they've done for us. That's for sure. It's pretty amazing. Congratulations on your success with real estate investing and helping other people along the line as well. Uh, one last important question for you, Luis. I'm not sure the next time will be when I go to Ottawa, but when I do, I hope I can hit you up and you can show me a really good place for Bigaron. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no Nicaraguan food in uh, in oh. Ottawa. Oh my! Yeah, goodness. I know, I know. It, it sounds like you've been to Granada in Nicaragua because that's their dish. Uh, but we might be able to help you out with some uh, pupusas. Well, that's from El Salvador. Yes, <laughs> it's the next the next best thing I could I could think of. <laughs> Actually, oh, oh, most of the bigarón I've ever had was in Costa Rica. That was that okay. Was, yeah, because a lot of Nicaraguans went there. Oh, but yes, yes. Um, definitely miss it. Good stuff. Right. Luis, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate you. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.